Spotlight presented by Economic Opportunity Board of Clark County in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. In this podcast, we aim to provide more resources and answers to help achieve success. Enjoy today's episode learning more about brain health and how to broach this topic with your loved ones. All right. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, we're here at the EOB Spotlight podcast. My name is Lawrence Beasley. I'm the interim executive director and Chief Operating Officer for the Economic Opportunity Board of Clark County. Uh, Today we have a special guest, uh, Mr. Brian uh, Brown. He's gonna talk to us um, about June being Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month. He's the president uh, from uh, Dementia Care uh, Education. We also have with us uh, Mr. Byron Goins. He's the Uh, Director of the Martin Luther King Jr. Senior Center, uh, which provides uh, access to recreational activities and uh, senior uh, related functions uh, at the Martin Luther King Jr. Senior Center located at the corner of Cary and MLK Boulevard uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Brian, can you give us a quick overview of your background, uh, what you do, and what Dementia Care Education uh, Program is all about. Thank you for having me, and absolutely. Um, Dementia Care Education is a leader in education and training um, for this Alzheimer's epidemic that we're going through. Uh, So what we do is we work with a number of different end users, everything from the research space, we're involved in clinical research, uh, and we're involved, we have a a training and certification program to train everyone from caregivers to administrators to uh, nurses, physician, ancillary uh, medical staff um, in Alzheimer's and dementia care. Um, We do that and we provide education throughout the country um, at various locations, um, remotely and in person, um, really underscoring the, the needs that we have for people to understand the disease and next steps, how to be able to get care and, uh, and treatment for Alzheimer's disease. And uh, we have some great partnerships with folks in, uh, in uh, Nevada that um, we'll be hearing from in just a little bit. But dementia care education covers a gamut and we lead in that direction. Um, uh, as a president, um, we have a, a great staff that, um, that leads in this area, and we really are here to serve people so that we can get our arms around um, Alzheimer's and other related dementias. All right, great. Uh, can you give us some information on how people can get in contact with your program? Do you have a website, social yeah, media? Okay. Absolutely. Um, our website is DementiaCareEducation.com. And you can email us at info at DementiaCareEducation.com. And our phone number is 888-317-5559. Um, and we're on all social, so you can connect to us on social media as well. All right, outstanding. So can you, I know that you talked a little bit about um, the aspects of being available all over the country. Now you're in Arizona, correct? Yes, we're based right. in Arizona. 
Um, can you give us an idea of what services you provide in different areas of the country and how can folks take advantage of that based on their locale? Absolutely. So, um, for example, um, one of our guests coming up, Byron, at the MLK Center, um, we do monthly programming um, for them. Uh, we uh, we do it. We used to do in person, and then the pandemic hit, and we switched to uh, to virtual programming, where we really engage their their community and their audience, and give them all of the information in terms of. Um, aspects of what is normal aging versus abnormal aging, um, leading into Alzheimer's and all the things that they can do to potentially protect themselves, um, reduce their risk. Also, we then go into um, doing what we call virtual memory screening. We do cognitive screenings on people on a virtual basis, and we do that for the people at um, the MLK Center as well. Uh, we have a healthy brains program in partnership with the Cleveland Clinic, Louisville Center for Brain Health that we administer there um, also. So we can come in and we can really um, change the fortunes of your population. Um, sometimes people have found that this information is hard to come by. We want to be accessible and really agile to be able to pivot and provide this to all different types of communities. Um, uh, regular um, communities around the country and then communities of color as well, diversity, th those aspects. With the advent of being virtual, we can be anywhere and everywhere at the same time. So we have some longitudinal education that we can have, we have people pipe into as well. Um, but yeah, we, we are there for people that we can uh, conduct cognitive screening to be parts of um, recruiting for research studies on the clinical research side of things. Uh, and really train their staff and their personnel in dementia care. So we, we run the gamut of really um, one-stop shopping, for lack of a better terms, in, in terms of really managing uh, Alzheimer's and dementia populations, both proactively and people who have um, certain signs and symptoms of the disease, next steps, where to go, counseling, all those types of things. All right, sounds good. Well, Brian, you 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 mentioned Byron, so let's bring him in and get a quick overview of the kinds of services that uh, the MLK Senior Center are receiving, at least as it's related to Alzheimer and um, dementia awareness. Thank you. Good morning, Byron Goins, Martin Luther King Jr. Senior Center here in beautiful North Las Vegas. Uh, thanks, Brian, for jumping on. A great partner. Um, we began the discussion of dementia in the center about um, about a year ago. Um, as, as you know, we have a staff of eight here. We are all trained um, to look at signs of dementia. So we started to notice some of those with our seniors. And it all just started with a conversation of how can we help you uh, wrapped around our caregiving uh, program that we have here at the center. So with that, um, we partnered with uh, the Rovu Brain Institute uh, to be able to um, just start the dialogue about brain health. Uh, in the African-American community, as a lot of us know, we're African-Americans. Uh, some things we don't like to talk about and don't bring to the table. So the first thing that happened, it was a lot of denial. Uh, so by bringing in Brian and his team, we were able to break down those barriers and now it's evolved into a series of uh, educational workshops on a virtual uh, platform right now. So 
but we can't wait to go back into the in-person uh, portion of the series as well. So that's kind of a quick overview of how we connected with the Brain Institute. And uh, we hope moving forward, uh, we will um, delve deeper into the area of dimension and all facets of it and how we can provide those uh, wraparound services to our seniors. All right, thanks, Byron. Um, Brian, can you give us a, a quick synopsis of some of the successes that you've seen with the program, um, be it with the Senior Center uh, here or uh, other areas that you've participated in? Yeah, absolutely. It is really a story of access. And I say that because when people don't have access to information, and it may sound cliche, but knowledge is truly power. When you don't have the information, you can't make informed decisions. And so part of the problem is getting it to people. And this is where I credit the, the Martin Luther King Center in, in, in Vegas for really being proactive and saying we need this type of information for our people so that they can make informed decisions. And so that was step one. Step two is the reception. People are extremely receptive because it's something they haven't heard before and they start to understand that they are potentially at risk. So statistically speaking, Alzheimer's disease is the most feared disease for people over the age of 60. So think about this. It's a disease that people are fearing, but they don't have any real information that's downloaded on them, really how to, how to manage or navigate, or are they at risk or not at risk? So that keeps people in a state of fear and knowledge is the thing that starts to break the fear down. So people at the MLK Center have been really receptive to the knowledge and, and are understanding, oh my goodness, you mean um, my Uncle Harold or, or Auntie Kate, they weren't just crazy Uncle Harold or crazy Auntie Kate, there was were, were something going on in them that was making them that way. And they're starting to connect the dots to things that they've seen generationally and relate it to a disease process and, and understanding now, okay, I don't want that. So what you're saying is, if I start to make these steps or do these things, I am reducing my risk. And this is a longitudinal thing. You have to realize people, um, there's a, in, in science and research, there's this thing called the stages of change model, that people mm -hmm. go through these stages to be able to change their behavior and to change their mindset, but it's based on education, some type of interaction. We know specifically in communities of color, it has to be a longitudinal educational event. There's a lot of people who like to run into the community, they get a few grant dollars and say, oh, we're gonna do two programs and we're out of there and think that that's gonna stem the tide. It's a longitudinal effect. And this is where um, our partnerships with uh, the Cleveland Clinic, Lou Ruvo Center for Brain Health, the MLK Center have invested longitudinally so that we can get a bigger return on the investment where people trust where it's coming from. Know that you're not gonna be gone in two weeks from now and, and left with questions that they still may have. So we've been received very, very well. And uh, the MLK Center, they've embraced technology. They realize the importance of this. So they Facebook Live it now. They, they uh, put it on YouTube Live now. And so they have amplified the message, which has just been fantastic because the buy-in has been great. And the feedback that we get has been tremendous, that people just want more and more education because it really allows them 
to be able to start making those small changes that make big differences in their life. All right. If well, I, I could jump in there, Lawrence, and, and all of that begins, um, like Brian said, with a conversation. Um, sometimes we, before our, uh, which has become overwhelmingly popular is our Zoom bingos on Thursday. So prior to calling the bingo game, we have 15, 20 minutes of dialogue with seniors and uh, we look for those signs and we ask them questions and you'd be amazed that after a bingo session, a senior will call the center and say, hey, look, I didn't want to say it in the Zoom, but uh, I am having issues with remembering or I am have a family member that has those those traits or those those uh, identifiers that that we're talking about. And that's when we're able to through our connections and partnerships with um, Brian and his group, and also with a group called the Nest Collaborative, which is Nevada Insure Support Together. Um, it's working with a group of um, students out of UNR, which have a whole network that assigns students to seniors that have dementia, and they become um, weekly buddies and relationship where they keep in touch with folks. So we have a whole network out there uh, and I'm just happy that our seniors are now starting to plug into that network uh, when they uh, feel that they need that help. And it's, it's, I just can't tell you um, how rewarding it is to have a senior come in and, and they're happy with the service they're getting through, through those organizations. All right. Well, I want to come back to that, Byron, but Brian, can you give us again your contact information for people who are just joining us? Uh, so that they can uh, have some information to be able to contact you about this. Absolutely. We're Dementia Care Education, um, DementiaCareEducation.com. Uh, you can email us at info at DementiaCareEducation.com or give us a call at 888-317-5559 or contact us through Facebook or social media again, Dementia Care Education. All right, perfect. And now, Byron, you had talked a little bit about the recognition aspect. I don't know about you youngsters, but I'm getting pretty close to that 60 marker. So how, what things can I do now to one, if I happen to perceive or recognize changes, how do I get involved and get information that could be relevant to me? Or if I happen to see changes in a family member, uh, what kinds of things can I do now in order to uh, be prepared for that? Not everybody all at once. <laughs> so, so let me, let me, um, let I, me go ahead, Byron. No, no, I, I was going to actually um, defer it to Brian, who is the, the resident expert here, but um, you know, I have a dad, um, 91 and my mom's 87. And so one of the things we do uh, as a family is, is we document, uh, we will document some changes that we see. And then when we get to our medical professionals, we kind of open up that little log and kind of um, just kind of tell the story of what we're seeing. And then we rely on professionals like Brian for that guidance. So, that, so that's exactly the continuum. Typically it's a spouse or an adult child that starts to notice the signs or symptoms. Um, and oftentimes if they are 
remote in nature. The, the adult child will swoop into town at holidays, maybe Christmas or Hanukkah or something like that. And then they see these real big gaps in cognition from their last visit. And they start to get concerned and they ask the mom or the spouse or someone close what's been going on. Um, unfortunately, with this disease, there's a lot of denial that goes on. Um, people don't like to admit that they're having these cognitive changes. But just what Byron said, documenting it creates this historical record of these types of changes. Um, and then you go to the next step. And the next step is, is really looking at a memory screening or something to test your cognition. Now, memory screenings are designed to test the earliest changes of thinking and memory, which then can start a conversation of where to go. And memory screening should be normalized like blood pressure screenings and, and cholesterol screenings because it, what it does is it historically gives you a baseline of where your cognition was today and we have a referral point for something later on in the future. So if there are any changes that we can go back in time and say, yeah, we have seen some precipitous changes from the last time you had a memory screening and that starts the, the dialogue or the conversation. Now, then it's, it's about going to a provider to start to go to the next steps. But this is where the intervention of education becomes invaluable because there are so many more things other than the medical aspect that this disease starts to uncover. Um, there's the, the regular everyday living with forgetfulness and starting to dementia-proof your home. There's a whole lot of other issues in terms of um, uh, cognitive factors in terms of um, can I leave my loved one alone for a while? So safety and security issues start to come in. Caregiving issues start to come in. Um, feeding and, and doing a whole bunch of things because the activities of daily living start to become compromised over this period of time. So this is where it really takes a coordinated plan and a village of people who understand this disease to come alongside you and guide you through the process. Because what typically happens is people become isolated within this diagnosis. And as I like to put it, um, we all need community because you know what happens to lone wolves? Lone wolves get devoured. They start to suffer on an island by themselves with no support, no education, and the outcomes are horrible. So people are typically a day late and a dollar short. Mm -hmm. So this is why it's so important to bring in education and services early so that people that need them can get them, but people who don't need them yet avail of them and can prepare for the future. So let me, let me ask you a question here. We talked a little bit about the denial aspect, particularly as it relates to communities of color, right? If I'm a one of those adult children who happen to see these changes in a parent, how can I broach this subject with them either using tools or helpful discussion? Because I don't want the response to be an angry one. I want it to be an understanding one. And are there tools available that can help me um, better communicate that with a parent or a loved one? How can I start the ball rolling within the household or with a friend or a family family member um, just to keep the conversation civil? That's a very thoughtful question and a very important question. And so loved ones, adult children, spouses really need to take an inclusive approach. And when I say that, 
they have to really start a conversation around everyone in the household really needs to step forward and start taking charge of our health. So together, we are all going to get some preventive screenings because we really want to do well together. So this is the inclusive part. So people don't feel isolated that you're picking on them. That's really one of the barriers is when you all of a sudden point the finger and say that, you know, hey, I think you're losing your marbles. People become defensive and don't want any part of it. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. <laughs> so, so what you want to do is say that we all are going to get a cholesterol check. We all are going to get our blood pressure taken and we all are going to get a memory screening. We all are going to do it. And we're all going to discuss the results of all of these things. And so therefore, it's not threatening if we're all going to do it together. And that starts an inclusive discussion and says, oh, wow, your memory screening has revealed that, you know, there's there's some things that 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 are concerning that we need to go to the next stage. Similarly, if your cholesterol was high, you'd have that same discussion or your blood pressure was high, you'd have the exact same discussions. This was my earlier comment about normalizing memory screening and doing it in an inclusive way so you're not singling out a person because you suspect their cognition is starting to wane. You do it in concert with the family or the unit or in community that we're all going to do this so that we can have an inclusive discussion. That is one of the most effective ways that you can um, really bring that discussion without necessarily finger pointing or threatening somebody because of that aspect of denial. That we have a very strong locus of control, um, meaning that ever since we were little, we always wanted control of everything. But when you start to lose your memories, guess what, you start to lose that control because mm -hmm. You don't have that anymore, but you grasp on for it and you become very, very um, uh, really indignant to the point that you, you're saying, I don't want anyone to take my last bastion of control, which is telling me what to do. I've been driving since I've been 16. Stop telling me I need to do this and so on and so forth. But in the course of a discussion, when we have data, it changes the paradigm. It changes the paradigm. So Brian, are there any, there are tons of, over-the-counter tools that I can use to do health checks, right? I do blood pressure check here, uh, pulse ox, all that kind of stuff. Are there any recommended tools that we can do or use for memory screening? So we do memory screening all over the country, either virtually or in person. Um, we have the capacity to be able to do that. Now, if you are a Medicare recipient, Medicare Part B recipient, you are eligible to receive a free memory screening from your primary care physician every year. That is one of the least utilized Medicare services for everybody. It's, it's probably one of the little known, but also primary care physicians, and this isn't a knock on primary care physicians, but they're really not skilled in diagnosing Alzheimer's and dementia. And so when people come and visit them, even for their annual wellness check, they're too busy talking about other comorbidities like heart disease or diabetes or, or high cholesterol that your cognitive health gets pushed to the background and you run out of time and it's never discussed. So this is where you either have to um, be your own healthcare advocate, it's a covered service and force the issue, or you partner with organizations like myself and so on and so forth, where we can start to, to really drill down on that at a, at a personal level. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people who do wonder that exact same question. Well, where do I go to get a memory screening? 
again, Medicare Part B recipients, it is a free covered service under under uh, for your physician, your primary care physician to take care of. But again, one of the most underutilized services as well. Wow. Well, th this is really good information, and I'm sure we could go forever on this, but we're kind of running out of time here. Brian, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, restate your contact information for individuals who uh, want to take advantage of some of your services. And then, uh, Byron, you as well, um, just how do people get in contact with the Senior Center if they want to uh, partake in any of those activities? So one of the things that um, I also want to stress is the, the benefit of clinical research as well, because we work in the clinical research space, that when we start to see people with these signs and symptoms, or even perfectly healthy, we are really looking at stopping Alzheimer's disease in this generation. But we need to do it through the clinical research process, which means that we need people to step up and participate. Um, when we start to see those earliest signs and symptoms, sometimes those are the best opportunities to get tomorrow's medicine today so that we can truly look for cures and treatments for Alzheimer's and other related dementias. Uh, and so we oftentimes, our organization leads people to into clinical trials so that they can get the best that they can for them, the best treatment and, and care. Um, again, dementia care education, um, dementiacareeducation.com, um, info at dementiacareeducation.com, uh, again, or call us at 888-317-5559. All right. Thanks, Brian. And Byron, can you give us your contact information as well? Yes. Um, just real quick, uh, what we do at the center is each of our members has what's called a care file. And in that care file, we work with a medical group, the Calderon Medical Group, to create a care file for each of our members. And in that file is the medications they take uh, and just the overall assessment of their health. And then with Dr. Calderon, we take the um, vitals of our members and we use that as a baseline and every quarter when he comes in if we see any differences in those vitals and baselines uh, we encourage them to go see their um, primary care physician and we are going to ask them to take that memory test this year so we hope to have that in everybody's file by the end of this year uh, the martin luther king jr senior center you can reach us by telephone at 702 636-0064. Um, you can go to the EOB website at eob.ca um, or pardon me, www.eobcapsnv.org. Or you can email us at uh, mlksenorcenter at eobcap.snv. Uh, so it's always a great day at MLK. All right. Well, thanks everyone. I am uh, very appreciative of this information and maybe we can have you guys back and we can go into round two and get some more extended information on how to uh, provide those additional services. Thank Anytime. you. Anytime. All right, thank you very much. Uh, I wanna uh, thank everyone for tuning in today and join us again on EOB Spotlight.
listening as we celebrate Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month. We're here to assist you any way we can, so please reach out to us on our website at eobcapsnv.org or call 702-445-7105. If you know someone 55 and older and they would like to join the Senior Center, please call 702-636-0064 or email mlkseniorcenter at eobcapsnv.org. See you soon.